Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I'm drunk. That was the sound of me taking a shot. I'm Nick Muniz. This is Nick's Nonfiction. Today on the show, we have got Timothy Ferris's The 4-Hour Workweek. Oh my god, he's hit rock bottom. He's drinking. Let's go, baby. We never do a drunk episode. This is going to be a fun one. The four-hour work week. I'm going full-on Jimmy Buffett on this. Quote, This weekend I'm racing motorcycles in Monte Carlo. Next week I'm skiing in the Andes. I'm tango dancing in Buenos Aires. Everybody knows these people. If I had extra cash, I would go box a railroad worker in Romania. That's what's up. We're talking about... Excess income today. Liquid cash flow. (laughs) He's talking about how to estimate 50% of your work in 48 hours using the principles of a forgotten Italian economist. He says how to obscure your life in overseas virtual assistance for $5 an hour. He has a whole chapter about paying Indian people to do your work. What automated cash flow muses are and how to use one in two to four weeks. Automated cash flow muse. That's called a whore, Timothy Ferris. Start pimping for cash. How blue chip escape artists travel the world without quitting their jobs. How to trade a long haul career for short work bursts and frequent mini retirements. How to fill the void and create a meaningful life after removing work from the office. Will Smith making an appearance. I used to work at a pizza shop. It didn't pay much, but I needed the dough. What do you call someone that works for the government? A civil serpent. Another one. When I was working at the bank, a lady came in asking me to check her balance. So I shoved her. The Nickers, be right back with you about the other. About the author Tim Ferriss, born July 20th, 1977. Tim Ferriss is an American entrepreneur, investor, author, podcaster, and lifestyle guru. Uh, his book sold 2 million copies. He used that money to invest in TaskRabbit and Uber. And he went on to publish other authors. Authors? <laughs> I'm going to be stumbling drunk today. November 2013, Ferris began an audiobook publishing venture, Tim Ferris Publishing. The first book published was Vagabonding by Wolf Potts. Read it. Other books include Ego is the Enemy and Obstacles the Way by Ryan Holiday. <laughs> Reddit. (laughs) I mean, they're all good shit, but, you know, he's like the Joe Rogan of books. He's creating his own network out here. Bro, Nick's nonfiction is a network. First in command, Izzy Ash. Actually, first subscriber ever was PC Doodle. You can't forget it. But, bro, he just interviewed Frank Yang. That's a YouTuber with, like, 100,000 subscribers. Check out the network, fam. Be right back with the show. Chapter 1, The 4-Hour Workbeak by Timothy Ferris. D is for dick. D is for definition. Thrown in a dip. I'm drunk. And I'm high. You know, D is for definition. My muscles have so much definition. Girls call me the dictionary. (laughs) Niels Bohr said, and I quote, an expert is a person who has made many mistakes and can be made in a narrow field. I'm an expert in comedy. 
fail and fail again. Niels Bohr, the father of the atom, thank you very much. Uh, uh. That's the tobacco on the tongue sound. Quote. These individuals have riches, such just as that say have a fever, when the really the fever is us. So that was this guy, Tim Ferriss, quoting Seneca, a passionate nonfiction author. Maybe rich people have a disease. They need to be lynched as a cure. <laughs> Bro, this book like borders the line of communism, so please don't put me in that today. But that's what we're doing. Four-hour work week. Is this practical, Timothy? Anyway, if you think about it, this fucking uh, Seneca quote, rich people are kind of uptight, annoying twats. All they're thinking about is their fortune. They can't fully relax. The dumber you are, the less you have the golden handcuffs. Quote. He explained that he had spent more than 30 years with people he didn't like to buy things he didn't need. Some rich guy, Mark. Life had become a succession of trophy wives. Yeah, you're complaining about fucking models on piles of cash? <laughs> Suck my dick, Mark. Life had become a succession of trophy. I just said that. <laughs> Expensive cars, empty bragging rights. Mark considered himself one of the living dead. Oh my god, go see Jerry Garcia then. <laughs> Let me tell you, bro. Someone who's been with... Number of women... <laughs> It don't make you happy. You're just like using that to flex on other dudes at a certain point. And at least I'm honest about it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. These rich people buying cars, they're still as insecure as everyone else. He's going on. I've chartered private planes over the Andes, enjoyed many of the best wines in the world, and between world-class ski runs, lounged in the infinity pool of private villas. Here's the little secret I rarely tell. It's at all costs that less than rent in the U.S., so this is Tim's big twist. This guy is saying that if you take your money elsewhere, it could be three to ten times as much. Damn! That's a fact. Using this as our criterion, the 80-hour work week for $500,000 per year investment bankers less powerful than the self-empower who work one quarter of the hours for forty grand, but has complete freedom of when, where, and how to live. It's up for you to decide because that 500000 would be millions than in Thailand. <laughs> so you could put the work in harder. This guy's saying for your whole life you should take mini vacations. Holy fuck, Tim. <laughs> All right, quote, As he rotated 360 degrees through the air, the deafening noise turned to silence. Dale Begg Smith executed the backflip perfectly. Skis crossed in an X over his head. This guy's kind of dope. He landed in the record books as he slid across the finish February 16th, 2006. He was now a mogul skiing gold medalist at the Turin Winter Olympics. Unlike other full-time athletes, he will never have to return to the dead-end job after this moment of glory, nor will he look back on this day as the climax of his only passion. After all, he was only 21 years old and he drove a black Lamborghini. While Dale's teammates were hitting the slopes for extra sessions, he was often buying sake for clients in Tokyo. Hi! In a world of work harder, not smarter, it came to pass that his coaches felt he was spending too much time on his business and not enough time in training, despite his results. Dale driving black Lamborghinis on the pile of cash. Let's fucking go. 
So, like, this whole book by Timothy Ferris is just one Cinderella story after another. He's going to tell you to quit your job, and he's talking about fucking Olympians. Okay, Tim. <clears throat> Invite me on your podcast, Tim Ferris. So, nothing practical up to this point. Just be born into a Swedish ski chalet family. Quote. Nested in the tropics of Coral Sea, New Caledonia was a French territory where July and Mark had sold their sailboat that took them 15,000 miles around the world. Of course, recouping their initial investment had been part of the plan. All said and done, their 15-month exploration of the globe had from gondola-rich waterways of Venice to the drivels of Polynesia and cost between $18,000 and $19,000. Less than rent and baguettes in Paris. Bro, you could sail around the world less than you could live in Paris. The only risk is capsizing and being eaten by sharks. <laughs> <laughs> but take Tim to Ferris every single advice. I don't know, bro. You want to get topical? Nobody's getting rich. You heard Joe Rogan on a podcast. He has $300 million. He's like, it's impossible to become a billionaire. And you got his friends <laughs> not going there, but... Bro. My point for the book... I'm not trying to sell you some like false American dream like Tim is going to, but the point is you could go live on a boat. <laughs> Let's go deeper. Quote, most people would consider the impossible. Then again, most people don't know that more than 300 families set sail from France each year to do the same. 300? The 300? That could be a movie. A French guy like pokes him in a baguette. He falls off the fucking ship. So this could be your life. Don't join a cult. Buy a fucking sailboat and go around the world with these people for less than 20 grand a year. I'm giving you options here. Next subsection, Herbert Bayward Slope. Another rich guy. I can't give you a surefire formula for excess, but I can give you a formula for failure. Try to please everybody all the time. So we got the Willie Loman problem again. Try to please everybody. And business is a world of fucking people over, so don't try to be nice. His epic flaw. Oscar Wilde said everything popular is wrong. Soul to Edgelord. Some popular shit rules. Watching fucking the skater guy rob Deerdeck. See people get kicked in the balls every night. It rules! Tim Ferriss. He draws up probably the biggest personality split in the book here. I split the audience hundred times a show. He says, people are either trying to win the game or escape the game. Damn, Tim going off the reservation. I don't know. I look at it as we're kids. Like, we could play the game. On the, You could all join the soccer game or you could go play in the sand and build sandcastle. But in this collective game, some of the kids are given guns and badges and can force you to join other games and extort you. Just want to play in the mud. <laughs> and then you get ruby ridged. Anywho. This book, unlike others we've read, if you're trying to escape the game, let's take another tangent. You ever see the movie The Game? <laughs> Michael Douglas? It's The main character's name is Nick, and he basically has a schizophrenic break where he thinks the news is talking to him, and he thinks his whole life is a game, and they make him jump through a roof. It rules the game. <laughs> Not by Neil Strauss, that's the real game. But, 
Tibbs been on the outskirts of some of these like book social circuit. He said he tried to publish this 12 times and then he self-published and that's why he's putting these other guys up. Rolf Potts, Ryan Holiday, who puts up cringe thumbnails on YouTube. Who said that? <laughs> but yeah, I could get real philosophical here or some bullshit. Let's get another quote. When I was in the data storage sales, my first gig out of college, I realized that most calls didn't get answered. Bro, when I worked at the CADSER, the Center for Applied Demography and Research Center, I would call hundreds of people and you got like eight hits. And I would just ask old bitches about how much packs of cigarettes they smoked. We did a study about drunk driving and people get really honest with you. Bro, that was a sick job. <laughs> I might go back to the call centers. So Tim Ferriss, he did his time there. If I simply made all my calls from 8 to 8.30 and 6 to 6.30 for a total of one hour, I was able to avoid secretaries and book more than twice as many meetings for the senior sales executives who called from 9 to 5. In other words, I got twice the results in an eighth of the time. That's what it is, bro. And I got it wrong. He said he tried to send this to 26 publishers. This is a good book. I suggest you read it. I'm taking the piss out of Tim today. But fucking nine to five, he got his work done in an eighth of the time. For most people, they'll never be able, <laughs> get off your fucking horse, Tim, to retire and maintain even a hot dog for dinner standard level of living. <laughs> even one million is chump change in a world where traditional retirement could span 30 years and inflation lowers your purchasing power 2 to 4% per year. The math doesn't work. The golden years become lower middle class living revisited. That's a bittersweet ending. All right, we did Flash Boys. If your bank, like, money just gets worse unless you put it in a S&P fund or something out here, you know? I'm not going to try to talk to you about crypto. Leads to his final big chapter one point. Money alone, not the solution. He's going to get socialist real quick. <laughs> Here's my solution. Everybody in the country needs a dopamine fast. That's what the problem is. Like, there's people living in such worse conditions. It's perfect here. A digital detox. One day a week. No screens. No fucking ideas from the news. I don't know. Did you ever hear this one? 75% of NFL players wind up broke. <laughs> How do you do that? It's just getting addicted to the high life. People, everybody lives above their means. 40-hour work week. The simple solution came to me accidentally four years ago at the time that I had more money than I knew what to do with. Okay, Tim. I was making 70 grand a month per so. And I was completely miserable. Worse than ever. <laughs> I had no time. I was working myself to death. I had started my own company, only to realize it would be nearly impossible to sell. Oops. Then one day, in my bliss of envisioning how bad my future suffering would be, I hit upon a gem of an idea. It was surely a highlight of my don't worry, be happy phase. Why don't I decide exactly what my nightmare would be? The worst thing. So he's going Ryan Holiday on us. I make 70 grand a month, but I'm going to think about Dante's Inferno. He's going to go, what's the worst thing that could happen? How are you complaining? I've done the math. You could, like, retire off of 200 grand if you're willing to camp a little bit. <laughs> Define what your hell is on earth. He's going stoic. D, 
is for define this dick. <laughs> Chapter 2, E, is for evaluation of this dick. <laughs> Bruce Lee quote, One does not accumulate, but eliminate. It does not dairy, but increase the dairy decrease. Eat rest cheese. The height of cultivation always runs in simplicity. <laughs> Sorry, jokes. Can you do those still? <laughs> this is a quote from William Ockham, the razor salesman. It is vain to do with more what can be done with less. Are we noticing a theme today? Yo, you remember when Gillette did the fucking same exact publicity stunt as Bud Light? And five years later, we still fall for... So yeah, life is more enjoyable, enjoyable with less. That's going to be Tim's whole take. I don't know if you'd say enjoyable. Fucking getting topped off on a jet ski by an Instagram thought. <laughs> That's pretty enjoyable. But you can make the argument for peaceful, Tim. Like, it's impractical to want to be happy all the time if you're fucking... Hello, bozo. What are you, 40 and you're still trying to get TikTok thoughts on your dick? So yeah, less is more, the whole fucking point here. Laozu. <laughs> Should we get another shot in here? Yes. Ow. I ain't reading all that. It's a very Nick's not a fiction sound effect. I'm reading all that. So, Eastern philosophy, it's a cope. One thing I'll give them credit for, they figured out how to minimize suffering. You turn off all the stimuli. That's why I'm saying one day a week, digital detox. This is like Timothy's theory, nobody's happy who makes 70 grand a month. <laughs> so hard to believe. I don't believe it. Quote, just a few words on time management. Forget all about it. Yo, you remember that SpongeBob? Empty your mind of everything that doesn't have to do with fine dining. Fine dining and breathing. We threw out his name. That's what Eastern philosophy is, bro. If you meditate too hard, you're out of this world. <laughs> That's what retirement shall be. Maybe that'll be chapter four. We only got four chapters today. Big quote. In the strictness sense, you shouldn't be trying to do more in each day, trying to fill every second with a work fidget of some type. It took me a long time to figure this out. I used to be very fond of the results by volume approach. Being busy is most often used as a guise for avoiding the few critically important but uncomfortable actions. The options are almost limitless for creating busyness. You could call a few hundred unqualified sales leads, reorganize your Outlook contacts, walk across the office to request documents you don't really need, or fuss around with your BlackBerry for a few hours when you should be prioritizing. In fact, if you want to move up the ladder in most of corporate America, and assuming they don't really check out what you're doing, let's be honest, just run around the office holding a cell phone to your head and carrying papers. <laughs> well done, Timothy. Bro, I used to chop it up with IT for at least an hour a day in my office. Those guys do nothing. <laughs> Maybe I have to bleep that. Yeah, bro. The, those guys just, like, steal cybersecurity systems from other firms and then run it on theirs. You know, once a month, you have to run a check on ours. You just download some shit off the internet. <laughs> 
Tim says, two reasons to work hard. Pay raises and remote working arrangements. Yeah, he's got this whole other paradigm being efficient versus being effective. <laughs> Business philosophy. Here's an old one from a wrestling coach I had. What gets measured gets improved. Well, I've been measuring my dick for five years. It's a stage joke. But yo, just measure. Why are you trying to get people lost in all this business hierarchy? This is why managers are snakes. They'll never give you enough self-improvement to get on their level. Hire fast, fire quick. <laughs> it's all fucking manipulative bullshit. Help people, you dick. What gets measured? <laughs> yeah, bro. He's going practical tip here. I, I wrote this down. What metrics HR are looking at? That's the only thing you have to improve at. He said he got done uh, work in a nine-hour workday in an eighth. I was the number one performing at this bank. <laughs> and I read and traded stocks under my debt. I still got called into HR because it's all about the act. That's all that this guy said. So if you want a real fucking self-improvement gem, measure up. This next subchapter goes pretty hard. The 9 to 5 illusion and Parkinson's law. This is when Tim makes his best case. This is an old uh, Stephen Wright joke. My favorites. He only put out one special and it's all one-liners. It's all it's like old from 1970 some bullshit. I saw a bank that said 24-hour banking. I don't have that much time. It goes on. Wells Fargo, they're having a meeting. Any suggestion, says the boss. One employee says, maybe we stay open past 5 o'clock, you know, so people can participate in banking with jobs. And the boss goes, next question. Another coworker says, what if we put a gigantic sign outside that says the temperature on it? <laughs> so, yeah, fucking time, bro. Is it even real, bro? <laughs> it's just like engineered to fuck up your mind. Yeah, so he's talking about banks this chapter. They're too big to fail. They can't go bankrupt. What do you want me to say? Quote, since we have eight hours to fill, we fill eight hours. If we had 15, we would fill 15. If we have an emergency and we need to suddenly leave work in two hours but have pending deadlines, we miraculously complete these assignments in two hours. The clock, bro, it warps your mind. So, yeah, I've been listening to some, like, audiobooks. Some fiction out there is a good way to immerse your mind. Whatever you fucking five minutes when you have to check your emails, otherwise it's an HR violation. That interrupts deep focus, man. I'm trying to like sit Indian pose on my desk and light up some incense. My Asian boss comes over. You put that out now. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always trying to like figure out the brain. There's like levels of fucking entertainment or engagement you could put your brain at. And it's not healthy to put eight hours a day in the semi-conscious. You know, the show Deliverance. wrote about that in my book a little bit. It goes hard. I haven't watched it all, but <laughs> it's about like mentally checking out at work, bro. This is the Chunky Spit Show. <laughs>
respect. Who else did I join in Boulder? Uh, good people tree trimming. That's good for a minute. But all the dudes are chicks. You have to stay after and chat for 15 minutes. I picked up the logs like a good little bitch. Uh, yeah, he leads to this next point, Parkinson's. It's really sad. It might not be a genetic disease. Maybe we all fried our synapses. And they've done the studies. Your telomeres look like uh, Beaker's hair. <laughs> Stress, that'll do it to you. Bro, I don't want to, like, talk about people. <laughs> Put them on blast for fucking 200 views. I know there's, like, a 50-year-old from my hometown, hardest-working guy. He fucking laid pipe in a plumbing business. Ten Mexicans in a van every single day. I was friends with his... We would go over his house, and the dad would be, like, covered in mud. Passed out every day. 50 years old. Parkinson's. My grandma. She never knew how to relax. Couldn't retire. Her garden... It looked like the Garden of Eden. Holy crap! A motherfucker was going to church like two times a day. Water aerobics. Should have grew some fucking mushrooms in that farm. It's all disrespect here. I can't say this nicely. <laughs> like we read that book, Awakenings, about degenerative brain diseases. I read this book about... The relaxation response, some fucking Harvard scientist, and it repairs your synapses, so you don't have to do mushrooms, okay? I'm joking. Relax. So what's worse? Some old head calling you a hippie for not working 60 hours a week? Or you turn 50, and you lose all your memories in every relationship? Balance is all I'm saying. <laughs> Now I'm thinking about the comedy scene who gets recognized as the hardest working guys. And there's people out there getting their jaws broken, doing shows for ten people in suburban buttfuck towns. The hardest working men in go. <laughs> so yeah, deep relaxation. We got a quote from Tim. Stop asking for opinions and start proposing solutions. Begin with the small things if someone asks what's going on. Where should we eat? What movie should we watch? What should we do tonight? What the fuck are you talking about, Tim? I probably should have noted more of the studies he had. Moving on. Chapter 3A is for automation. He's saying like TV is a low informational diet. Herbert Benson, that was the name of the Harvard doctor. This guy also did Qigong studies. <laughs> do I'll stand in my fucking room and do this. You just stand and flap your arms back and forth like a fat Asian man. Qigong. This guy, Herbert Benson, came up with the anatole opposite of the flight response, the relaxation. I just said it. We're moving on. So he's talking about automation, constant progression, <sighs> transhumanism books. I'm having flashbacks. I outsourced a whole mess of online errands to Asha, paying my bills, getting stuff from drugstore.com, finding my son a Tickle Me Elmo. Actually, the store was having me Tickle Me Elmos, so Asha bought a Chicken Dance Elmo. Good decision. I had her call Singular to talk about my cell phone plan. I'm just guessing, but I bet her call was rooted from Bangalore to New Jersey, and then back to Singular employed to Bangalore. So you see what's going on here? Tim Ferriss, he hired like 50 Indian people to do a squid games. 
he hired an Indian bitch to be his personal assistant. <laughs> so, like, instead of uh, Lex Friedman, he's going to do podcast number 100,020. Instead of just fixing serial... Write us two lines of code, bro, if you're so fucking MIT smart. We're going to have to rely on Indians to answer our phone calls because they can't fix Siri. You know! Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, they have, like, Super Siri, this AI organizing tool. Boop, boop! <laughs> and they just interrupt whatever song you're listening to. I didn't want to talk to you, Siri. We got a William Gibson quote. The future is here. It's just not widely distributed. <laughs> the future's here. It's just not everywhere. You ever see that movie Elysium? Nonfiction. <sighs> so what? Uh, we've been reading in some of these deep books, bro. Robots could do like 99% of the work by now. The only reason we're still running around like rats is because it makes a few people very, very rich. <laughs> we could be living like comfortable, modest lives on the backs of robot slaves. But no, no, no. Insecure white dudes have to turn this playground into a game. There's this one kid on my elementary school soccer, Rohelio. <laughs> he would shove dandelions down the mouth of whoever he scored on. And you know, this kid was throwing down like Maradonas and upper 90 cheese shots. Bro, he was a soccer god. And he would always shove a dandelion down the mouth. So I'm over there building fucking sandcastles. And I still got to laugh at the motherfucker. Got a dandelion down his mouth. <laughs> Rohelio. <laughs> I forgot that name till this very moment. Tim, giving us a sneak peek at full automation. I woke up this morning and given that it's a Monday, I checked my email for an hour after an exquisite Buenos Aires breakfast. So Maya from India had found a long high school classmate of mine, Rohelio, and <laughs> his name was Ankul, and they put together an Excel research report for retirees. <laughs> so bro, this Indian was a go-getter. She's like starting startups. What the fuck? Bro, there's a billion Indians. I guess we can all get a few. <laughs> Interviews for this week had been set by a third Indian virtual assistant who had also found contact information for the best kendo schools in Japan and the top salsa teachers from Cuba. It was a beautiful sunny day and I closed my laptop with a smile. For all-you-can-eat buffet with a coffee and orange juice breakfast, I paid $4 US. The Indian outsourcing cost between 4 to $10 an hour. Tim just went big brain on everyone. <laughs> Scumbag. You know, like, I exploit poor people, but fucking, I did something productive. And, like, I'm not a communist, bro. It's a global economy. We're all in this bullshit together at this point. You're helping the Indian person. I did the book The Rebel, okay? My conscience is clean. Here's a Malcolm X quote to clean it even more. Nobody can give you freedom. Nobody can give you equality or justice or anything. If you're a man, you take it. Malcolm Sex. <laughs> it is absolutely necessary, this is Tim Ferriss, that you realize that you can always do something more cheaply yourself. This doesn't mean you want to spend your time doing it. If you spend your time worth 20 to $25 an hour doing something that someone else will do for $10 an hour, it's simply a poor use of resources. This motherfucker broke my brain, <laughs> yo. 
you could blow every check that you ever make at the bar. But if you just put $5 now towards someone who do it a little cheaper, you're buying back bits of your time. This guy's onto something. Automation outsourcing. Should I get racist? <laughs> Immigration, bro. It's part of outsourcing. They let enough Mexicans in. They turn on the spigot. Can you say these things? So, I, I love Mexico. Here's some shit that'll blow your mind. Ford, they build the cars in Mexico and then assemble them in the U.S. You know, so it's U.S. assembled. It's made here. And then they re-import it to Mexico and sell it over there with an import tax. It was made in Mexico. Here's another fucking example. I saw a TikTok recently. Great source. This kid was working at the register in Colorado. I've experienced this. He's going, look at this, guys. There's a 10% bag tax. And wait. He clicks on the info. There's a 3% tax on the 10% bag tax. <laughs> New Delhi or New York. Not going to matter soon. Global economy. Chapter 4. L is for lesbian. Liberation. Liberation? Let's get some John Locke in here. Searching the niche archives. It is far for a man to go wrong in freedom that can do right in chains. Some liberation bullshit. Should we, like, liberate our fucking soul, man? Or chase the cheese? Why not both? Even though Jesus said, renounce all earthly possessions. I don't give a fuck. Chapter 4 or 5, we always get religious. Let me go full hippie on the chapter. Bro, I gotta bust out the Buddhist knowledge. You can't let it dull. Materials are a disease. That's the sound of me in the astral realm meditating off all of my material baggage. Quote, in Japan, a three-piece zombie who joins the nine-to-five grind each morning is called a saramani man, salary man. And in the last few years, a new verb has emerged, datsu sadasuru, to escape datsu, the saraman lifestyle. So he's getting to a point I've talked about on the show, karoshi. You work yourself to death. But that is honorable. This quote is some shit straight out of friggin' Machiavelli. All courses of action are risky, so prudence is not in avoiding danger. It's impossible. But calculating risk and activating decisions, making mistakes of ambition, are not mistakes of sloth. Develop the strength to do bold things, not the strength to suffer. So, like, you could tell yourself that you're doing some shit by... I work hard. But maybe it's more ballsy to fucking take a risk. I don't give a fuck, bro. It's fucking honorable to work. Maybe not to death. Datsusaru. 
Tim says some jobs are simply beyond repair. Improvements would be like adding a set of designer curtains to a jail cell. Better but far from good. I've quit three jobs and been fired for most of the rest. Getting fired despite sometimes coming as a surprise and leaving you scrambled to recover is often a godsend. Someone else makes the decision for you, and it's impossible to sit in the wrong of the job the rest of your life. Most people aren't lucky enough to get fired and die a slow spiritual death over 30 to 40 years of tolerating the mediocrity. Oof, fat Elbra. That's my boss. I have to go massage his nuts, even though it's Friday night. You know that shit where... Well, in the contract, it said you could work weekends. No. I'm starting a union. Tim on his fucking pedestal here. Let me get some Sun Tzu. If you must pray, decide on three things that start. The rules of the game, the strikes, and the quitting time. Damn, the rules of the game, the stakes, and the quitting time. Maybe this is why nobody wants to play Monopoly. There is no end. Okay, I'm not a socialist, but this is kind of funny. The game of Monopoly, you just keep going around in circles, getting raped by whoever's richest. <laughs> Bro, they just need to add, like, one square to the Monopoly board. It's called Smash and Grab. <laughs> and the three poorest players, you get to hold down the richest guy, take all of his property. Now we're talking. Just because you are embarrassed to admit that you're still living the consequences of bad decisions made 5, 10, or 20 years ago shouldn't stop you from making good decisions now. Now that we're all on a living playing field, pride stupid. Pride <laughs> Even though fucking being on a yacht, kind of dope to flex. But Tim is going guru on us. So, so, so. If we have the board game Monopoly, there should be a board game called Anarchy. Every single square, whoever's hosting game night, you loot their house. <laughs> Good, I'm starting a, <laughs> a line of board games. So he lists the reason people won't quit their jobs. Number one, can't pay the bills. His solution, get a job before you quit the first one. Number two, fear of downsizing. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. Everybody's living above their means. Number three, but, but, but my health insurance. i tell you something. <laughs> I don't know if the mob is listening. I don't want anybody coming after me. I haven't had health insurance in like five years, bro. I hike 20 miles into the wilderness. If I twist my ankle, it's over. Health insurance, it's fake. <laughs> Let me fucking support that argument, bro. When I got in the fucking motorcycle accident, I had health insurance. They charged me $40,000. I'm out, okay? I'm not playing this game anymore. So I could fucking save up my whole life. And then get T-boned by a drunk driver. <laughs> and then, bro, you're just bankrupt. Go to jail. <laughs> I shouldn't have bought up the Monopoly board. Now I'm starting to fucking drift into marks. So here's another quote. Uh, Would you like me to give you formulas for success? It's quite simple, really. Double your rate of failure. Tim, that's not practical. Telling people to go do open mics. <laughs> Just go do more fucking open mics. <laughs> Tim, tell people to save half of their money. What are we talking about here? Uh, some closing statements. 
I believe that life exists to be enjoyed and that the most important thing is to feel good about yourself. Each person will have his or her own vehicles for both and those vehicles will change over time. For some, the answer will be working with orphans and for others, it will be composing music. I have a personal answer to the both. Love, be loved, never stop learning. But I don't expect that to be the universal. <laughs> His final sentence is just, but don't take anything I said serious. Have some conviction, Tim. Fuck, there's more quotes. If you lose sight of the dream, you're just working for work's sake. Don't chase customers. Don't micromanage or spend excessive time on emails. Ignore the social rewards of life. Surround yourself with smiling, positive people who work for nothing. What? <laughs> so this book has some, like, manager psycho speak that I don't have the language for. <laughs> Let me get one more quote. If you're confused about life, you're not alone. There are almost 7 billion people of us, and then another billion Indians to do your work. This isn't a problem, of course, once you've realized that life is neither a problem to be solved nor a game to be won. The heaviness of success chasing can be replaced with a serendipitous lightness once you recognize that the only rules and the limits are those we set on ourselves. So, be bold and don't worry about what people think. They don't think often anyway. <laughs> Timothy Ferris, a four-hour work. Hope you guys uh, define your goals. It's going to be the only thing I say and save money. Next time on the show, midsummer, let's bring some heat. We have got Plato's Apology. This is... Socrates' best student, Plato, summarizing his trial. And some of you might know how Socrates' story ends, but next week, taking you through the journey. Patreon.com slash niche. Hot summer bonus content. Harry shit on Instagram. <laughs> and uh, let's get a random sound perfect to end it. We ordered the Among Us potion. About to slide home, slurp on that Among Us potion. Nick Muniz signing off. See you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in. Peace!